0: Hi, everyone. My name is David Gillespie, and you are listening to High Shelf Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast about role-playing games and board games and gaming conventions. Every week, I'm joined by my co-host, Rich Wisneski, and we bring on guests to talk about the games that they love, the conventions they're playing them at, all that good stuff. If this is up your alley... Please feel free to download, listen, subscribe, do all that good stuff, and you can always find us on Twitter, at High Shelf Gaming, or join us on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. It's a closed group. Click to join, though, and we're friendly to everybody, and uh, you'll get to hang out and talk games with us all you like. Hey everyone, David here again with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I am joined by the resplendent rich
1: did you learn a new word today do you have that dictionary thing that you like pull <laughs> the calendar that every day there's a new word i try and, and find newer...
0: yeah i try and find new ways to describe you that are not accurate so magnanimous oh.
1: resplendent <laughs> all these other episodes finally make sense <laughs> dave glad to be here as always you can't get rid of me i'm
0: here forever that's right and then today we are joined by my buddy vlad uh vlad wants you to introduce yourself talk about your history and eventually uh tell us uh, what we're going to talk about today
2: cool so my name is vlad i have nothing interesting to say unlike uh rich but we we met what like two and a half three years ago ish david yeah through your wife through uh my buddy chip and we've been kind of gaming buddies ever since and then you know also real friends ever since which yeah. is more important in my opinion definitely RRL. I'm really glad to be on the show. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for thanks for joining. And it's one of those funny things like, I think you and I's first connection was over sports, but I think nerds kind of smell their own. And it was like, Oh, yeah, I like games. Oh, what kind of games do you like? And there's this dance where you're trying to figure is it computer games? Or or is it the real shit? And then it was like, yep. oh yeah, we're in, we're on D and D and Pathfinder and all that stuff. Yep. So
1: whoa uh, whoa 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 what sports were you two talking about? Was it like, hey dude, did you see the badminton finals? I mean, <laughs> come on here, Dave. I, I do, Dave,
2: I, I do love talking some
0: shuttlecock. <laughs> see, uh, <laughs> no, it was soccer actually.
1: Oh, okay, this um, yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kelly's really into soccer and uh, Chip and Vlad and yeah. who, I. We're all we all play it chip and vlad to a much higher level than me um but vlad uh, tell us what we're talking about today
2: yeah so today i am really excited to be talking about uh my favorite tabletop game which is pathfinder rpg D 3.5 yes
1: yeah oh i got questions about that you i heard <laughs> you just you already slipped into one of my questions oh, man. Three, five. but hey vlad i just got a tweet or, or someone just tweeted me they heard we were talking vlad when you look in the mirror do you see your reflection Let's I, just get this out of the way.
2: I'm not a vampire, so
0: yeah. Okay, good. Yes, all right.
2: I'm a, I'm a real boy.
1: We, we can now continue the podcast.
0: I mean, if you were, we would just have a different podcast. We would ask you <laughs> ask you new questions. That's right. <laughs> I did have a guy tell me
2: at work the other day that his only other interaction with a Vlad or the other only time that he's heard that name was from Vlad Dracula, and I was like,
0: "Cool, dude. Yep,
1: Vlad the Impaler." Yeah, I just wanted to know if I had to have the windows closed or open tonight. Yeah, so, yeah, cool,
0: cool story there. Yeah. Still closed. I, I'm sure you get that all the time, yeah. Yeah, that's
2: pretty much the first thing anybody says when they meet me.
0: Way to be in the fold there, Rich.
1: Dude, I'm a 99 percenter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's just be real.
1: I'm not a one percenter. I'm a 99 percenter.
0: <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get into Pathfinder a little bit. So you already kind of opened the door on one thing the 3 5 to Pathfinder. Path. So so to kinda give everybody a little history there and then Vlad will turn it back to you. Uh Wizards of the Coast was ending 3.5. They were announcing fourth edition. With that came a ton of changes. And a lot of those changes people weren't super thrilled about, which I think is kind of what opened the door for Pathfinder to come in. Is that is that kind of the thing? Like what's your what's your take on all that? So paizo
2: are the creators and developers of Pathfinder. Wizards of the Coast are the developers of D D. Yeah. Um, Paizo and Wizards of the Coast had this sort of partnership going on uh, throughout the lifespan of 3.5 because Paizo was publishing... Uh,
0: old D and D magazines. Oh ah, okay. Um,
2: I don't know if you guys have like seen
0: or read those. They were kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Rich, Rich is like a giant fanboy of the D and D magazines.
1: <laughs> oh man, I get dragons every year everywhere I go. They just yes, I yeah. love reading the old Gen Con ads. I love reading. I'm running an old module from like. Uh, Oh, maybe 85 this upcoming Gen Con, you know, right out of one of the magazines. So, yes, love old magazines, level yeah. D&D. Um, and this is interesting. Keep going.
2: Yeah, so as Wizards of the Coast had no timely answers how their partnership with Paizo would uh, continue through the end of 3.5 and into the era of D&D 4.0. So there was this, you know, kind of real big uncertainty about what was going on. Paizo's plan was to make – so Paizo had been making adventure paths, just kind of like modules, that were really well-received by the fans for, um, I don't know, like a year or two years or three years or so. But their plan was to release one other – one more big adventure path called Pathfinder Adventure Path in the in-between era between 3.5 and the release of 4.0. Wow. But as a company, they didn't know – how their relationship with Wizards of the Coast was going to continue into 4th edition because of two reasons. One, they hadn't seen the rule set, and two, they hadn't seen the license in order to be able to use the rules compatibly. I guess as a note, the, the 3.5 D&D license was open source, so they could use that freely and make their own adventure paths as long as they gave credit to Wizards of the Coast and say that this was all
0: used freely with the 3.5 license. Yeah. And, um, and I just want to ahead. add here real quick. So back when Wizards of the Coast did that, that open source license, that really opened the door for like a ton of startup companies to publish all kinds of modules and realms and all kinds of really cool things for 3.5. And so even today, there's a ton of people out there who just play 3.5 because there's all this content for it, because. Wizards of the Coast made the choice to make it an open source uh, thing
1: yeah and I remember downloading a pdf about this is that what this is I, I downloaded the open source rules probably so okay
2: yeah and 3.5 still has I think the broadest source of external uh, stuff out there compared to like you know, Pathfinder or 4th edition or 5th edition now or all the other D editions
0: yeah, so so Paizo is facing this business quandary of okay, well, how yeah. do we keep our doors open when we don't even know if there's gonna if it's gonna still be open source after this?
2: And in the background, while this was going on, one of the lead guys at Pizo Jason Bullman, had been tinkering with his own like homebrew version of 3.5, where he uh, addressed a lot of the issues that he saw with it, and that fans saw with it, and that even Wizards of the Coast addressed that. You know D 3.5 had for example he changed some of the uh, skill checks and like you know there were a bunch of skill checks that essentially did the same thing like um like search and spot and listen he pretty yeah. much added all <laughs> those together into one called perception yep so in the background he was tinkering and making his own homebrew version of 3.5 well a couple weeks later uh, at a meeting where that paizo had been having about how to continue their relationship with wizards he brought up the idea that why don't they just cut ties with Wizards of the Coast and instead flesh out and create his Pathfinder adventure path into a whole new game entirely wow. called Pathfinder. Yeah. So that's kind of what they did. And it ended up being, well, it was an extremely risky move at the time since D&D 3.5 was the most... Popular version of the game to date, and it was widely accepted. Oh yeah,
1: and they had D and D next, and they had D and D beta groups. And I remember I was a big three five DM, and so we were trying next, and we were trying things, and we were sending back information. And there's are because uh, you know we signed up for the beta program, we're getting new notes about what's coming down the pipe, and to compete with that juggernaut. That must have been, uh, yeah, ball, ballsy move. That's yeah, what yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah. And,
2: well, they, they pretty much severed their relationship with Wizards and pretty much just said, hey, we're going to take all your rules and make this new totally better game out of it. Um, yeah. And it also risked, you know, pissing off all of the D&D 3.5 fans, which yep. you don't really want to start your new game with that. Uh, yeah.
1: But but literally making skills come together, it's so funny you oh, said yeah. that because I've sat there before DMing going well, which one do they pick? <laughs> you know, which one's right. on your list? Right. Which one's better on your list? Which right. one's worse on your list? Because right. I'm always trying to kill them. So it's kind of that <laughs> idea of what is happening It what it didn't feel as clean as perception. Yeah, I've had a, a lot of friends go to Pathfinder and they have nothing but good comments to say. And that must be some of the ideas around it. And one of my questions was around skills. So we can dig into that a little more because I got some examples that I want to throw out and see what your responses are. Well, but before we get into that, I, I just want to say that they took a huge risk, yes,
0: but they didn't have to worry about pissing off D&D fans, because I think that
1: D&D kind of did that with 4th Edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so did did Pathfinder hit the street before 4th Edition, or did 4th Edition hit and everybody went, whoa, what is this video Game Boy shit? And then Pathfinder hit the street. A year after 4th Edition?
2: Yeah, it was a year or a year-ish. Uh, so Paizo play-tested Pathfinder. They did this open-source play of Pathfinder for about a year. Uh, wow. Where they just said, hey, this is our website. Go there and download all the PDFs. Tell us what we can do better. Tell us what you don't like, what you do like, etc." And after that, we'll create this new and improved RPG system.
0: Yeah. And they were one of the ones that did that open source beta testing for like a whole year and now everybody does it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So on skills, there are many places to go on this. I had heard that that is one of the things they did was refine the skills tree.
2: Some of the more generic stuff is what they fixed. So like balancing XP between classes and between races, that's all now generic. So like if you remember in 3.0 and 3.5, if you decided that you wanted to be one of the fancier races, like, a dark elf or like a, I don't know, a goblin or something, um, it would be much more difficult to level up because the XP requirements for those classes
1: were oh, like greatly
2: increased.
0: Right, uh, right. All of
2: that is just completely, you know, balanced across all classes, across all races in Pathfinder.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. They just made it so that the core races all got better bonuses. And it was like, hey, there's less of a trade off now. It's just beneficial to be an elf as opposed to a dark elf. That made it so that as your classes leveled, they could all be equal and you didn't have this problem of, oh, we have a cool tiefling or whatever in our party and they're falling behind all the time because yes. they've got a racial mod on their XP.
1: And that led to the power gamer in a sense, you know, even, you know, and that kind of, are, are feats still there in Pathfinder?
2: Yeah, so they did something really neat with Pathfinder feats in that. Um, they are now granted at every odd level. Oh. Uh, so everybody gets a feat at third level. Everybody gets a feat at fifth level and yeah. so on. Whereas in like 3.5, there were some classes that, I mean, you got feats, what, like every four or five levels or something, something. like that. yeah. Um, and there were some classes that just like didn't get anything for like four levels, you know, in a row. And it just kind of seemed like great. Mm. I leveled up and I great gate, you know, got six points and five skill points. <laughs> skill yeah. ups and that's
0: it yeah there are a lot of classes in 3-5 that um the progression just wasn't really that cool like paladin is one where yeah. it's really cool in the beginning but then yeah. it really tapers off it's like oh, okay cool i got another remove disease for a week great that's all i get in 3-5 but in a uh, pathfinder dude okay paladins get all kinds of cool stuff and then archetypes And archetypes is a really cool or archetypes or whatever is a really cool. Yeah, this is a really cool concept in Pathfinder where they said, hey, we're not going to have prestige classes. We're not going to have this like end game class. Uh Instead, we're going to take the core classes and we're just make tons of different types of those classes. So like uh, one of the types of a paladin might be a cavalier. So he's more jousting focus and less, you know, man of law focus. And then rogues have tons of different little archetypes like ninja archetype, bruiser, thug archetype out of the rogue, you know. So there's all these different ways that they were tweaking the classes to make their level progression kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, and there are still prestige classes, so and they're all largely the same as 3-5. So there's still the arcane archer, there's still the blackguard. All those classes still exist. It's just the base classes are much stronger than and like so uh david in your game that we're currently playing 3.5 yeah uh, i am a sorcerer i get one thing as a sorcerer at level one 3.5 <laughs> you get one thing and yeah. that is summon familiar or whatever yeah you yep. get a familiar at level one and that is it you don't get any other special abilities you don't get any
1: Oh, you have a special ability. It's called Don't Die. Yes. <laughs> you can make it through level, one. level <laughs> one. You're a hero.
2: You have four hit points and a familiar, and that's it. Um, in Pathfinder, uh, first of all, they, like, for sorcerers, for example, they increased the hit points, so you now uh, are rolling a d6 instead of a d4. Uh-huh. And every couple levels, you gain another, um, like, Paragon power type of thing, so you can choose like a bloodline. So, for example, you can choose uh, like destruction or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you choose a destruction destruction power line, and every like third level, you get like a new special ability. Um, whereas in in three point five, you don't have access to any of that. It's right. kind of just a dead class other than having spells that are you know somewhat powerful, but. That's all you
1: get. Okay, did they tweak around any of the, you can use these weapons, you can't use these weapons, you can wear this armor, you can't wear this armor?
0: They made it so that a lot of the things mattered a lot less. So, like, a druid couldn't wear any metal at all. If they were if they had metal, they would lose their, their druid powers. You know, they're wizards of, of nature. The earth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think in Pathfinder, that's not the case. There are totally urban druids that can yeah. wear armor and all kinds of stuff. So there's... They they gave you outs, you know. They gave Blasting you ways. Me. Yeah, they gave you ways of, hey, I want to play this class, but I want to play it in a different way. Uh, so there's an archetype that allows me to do that. You know, three five was very tightly controlled. There's only a couple of races. There's only a couple of classes, and you had to buy a bunch of supplements to get access to the the weird stuff. And Pathfinder, they don't quite give you the weird stuff right away. But it's like as soon as you get one of the advanced books, you're off into all kinds of crazy stuff with archetypes and all that. Do you ever have a a concern around power creep of your players? Does it still feel relatively balanced, even though you have tons of options for the players to to pursue?
2: That's kind of the biggest issue, isn't it? Is that as new books and new classes and races and all that become available, characters become just like straight up more powerful. A level one Cavalier is going to be more powerful than a level one, I don't know, Paladin. Because the fact that the Cavalier class was introduced after the Paladin class, it's just natural, like naturally when the game was created, they made those classes more interesting, better, more fun, etc., just to, you know, get more people playing them. Yeah. So that is definitely an issue with Pathfinder. For example, in, in the game that I'm running with you guys, you're all kind of susceptible to magic damage, mm-hmm. specifically um, Kelly's character, who is a shaman. So
1: in the last session. Whoa, whoa, happened. whoa, whoa. She's not playing the biggest, baddest dude with a big old <laughs> stick.
0: <laughs> that is a departure for Kelly. She's normally the big yeah. tank. And I had that role. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to play the, bar- yeah. I'm going to play the barbarian. So you can't play that. haha. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and
0: so she went for the shaman, which is like one of the archetypes or maybe one of the whole new classes. Yeah. it's, and it's class. It's kind of, kind of a druid, kind of a sorcerer, kind of a, a witch. Because she has, yeah. like, spirit familiars and stuff like that. It's it's a really interesting hybrid class.
2: Yeah, so for her class, I noticed that, I mean, I had already killed her once <laughs> on accident completely. Uh, and- yeah, that's what
1: I say, too. It was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to roll a 20. <laughs> Boom!
2: <laughs> Although, to be fair, it was mostly David's fault for deciding to fight the Cyclops.
0: You know what? Yeah, we had a, we had a good plan, and that plan did not involve her going toe to toe with the Cyclops. That was, that was for me to go toe to toe, and I I oh, almost died. She
1: was having tank flashbacks. That happens when you play other classes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, th- I actually think she played that really well. I think the Cyclopses just just ran around me. They're like, oh, that's funny. We're not going to fight the dwarf. We're going to go. Uh, we're going to go beat down this like uh, weird cat person that's yeah. over the corner Squishy. there. Yeah. That's
2: interesting. Kill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, in, in our game, I noticed that she had that kind of vulnerability and the entire party had that vulnerability to magic. So in the last session I gave her uh, a little item that made her a little bit stronger towards, you know, magic and even physical damage somewhat mm. um, in the shape of a small totem that you can employ.
0: There's so many aspects to Pathfinder. It's like, okay, I really want to uh, find a weakness in my party. Pathfinder will give you that because they've got tons of options. Or I need to help them plug a hole. What can I do? I know in one of these books somewhere is a way to find that. And because they've got the SRD or all of the source material online, it's like a web search away.
1: What? Can you get away without buying any Pathfinder books and play Pathfinder?
2: Yes. Yes, Absolutely wow so in my campaign i only have the three core core rule books i've got the dm guide the monster manual and the player's handbook yeah. and um obviously kelly is a unique class that's not in any of those books uh so whenever she has a question about her thing first of all i told her that i'm not an expert in shaman i'm not an expert in any of the fancy classes so she should know her character in and out as much as possible yep. but whenever there is a question that comes up it's really easy to just hop on your phone just do a quick google search and it'll pop-up right there well wow. yeah
1: you know we we touched on something i wanted to ask about that um it never happened with our group because i killed everybody too often <laughs> and they had to start over but we never got those power 3.5 gamers you know that we never had the you got so many feats you just walk in a room you kill everybody you know it's not like i got 15 cleave um so Do you still get that little bit of – and I heard that was a problem. I never experienced it because people didn't stay alive long enough. But did you guys – is that still in Pathfinder because of feats and things that folks can become too powerful?
2: I'd say that it's easier to power game your class in Pathfinder because all of the classes are more viable. You have access to just generally more power. Oh. You have access to more feats.
1: Every. Oh, yeah, as you mentioned, every other. Yeah. Pretty much every other level, you can pop a new one in there and, and yep. keep expanding on that chain.
2: And that's something I really like about it, too, because if, for example, you choose the wrong feet at level two or level three or whatever, um, you're not that's screwed. Okay because you still have, like, you know, 15 or 10 yeah. or whatever other feats that you'll get throughout the campaign if you uh, advance high enough
1: and Von, what do you like to play character type when you get to be a player
2: my favorite class is the rangers the archer ranger
1: a little legolas there
2: but i i try to play that as rarely as possible because i'm i'm, I'm really good at that class and i'm really bad at other classes so i like to play the classes that i'm not great
0: at yeah and one of the things I'll mention about like the art of the game and all that kind of stuff—they have really good artists. And like mm-hmm. we talked about in the women in gaming episode about how uh, game designers and artists are starting to realize that armor on women needs to cover more than like just the bikini area. The art in Pathfinder is really good at that. Like, uh, there's tons of there's tons of uh, uh, women and men in there. They all have really cool armor. The, the art is just really good in a Pathfinder book. Like that's one of the things that drew me to Pathfinder is like, oh, man, this art is like amazing. And all these people look like real adventurers, not like weird fantasy fantasy in the like perverse way. Adventurers, you know, it's more like, no, no, this person, uh, I believe that she will go there and murder a thousand goblins because she looks like she's done it.
1: Their material has to be spot on. Last year at Gen Con, I remember sneaking in with one of my friends to get some source books earlier. They they were releasing something at Gen Con, and he went and bought, like, I want to say a stack of books. So at Gen Con Um, last year
0: was Starfinder. So they released their sci-fi game, Starfinder. Okay, that gets us into kind of a crazy news. So we had planned to do this episode. It's uh, March 7th is when we're recording this. Yesterday, March 6th, they announced that they're going to start doing the beta test for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Oh, whoa. At Gen Con this year, they're going to release all of the playtest material. Now, you can go and download all the PDFs for free whenever they release them, but they will happily sell you books that are playtest
1: rules. Come on, we're geeks. We love books we we i mean we have books to hold up our books <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so so true um so vlad have you looked much into second edition pathfinder i know it was just announced yesterday so you probably haven't had much of a chance but yeah i have not looked into it at
1: all okay and and you know what this makes me think of is second edition d and then that makes me think thaco and then that makes me go back to asking some questions about this which is do you use all the dice when you play pathfinder
2: pathfinder is literally three point really it's 3.75
1: because Ooh. 3. 5
2: rule set it's just all the minor things that needed to be fixed were fixed in order to make it more
0: viable and more fun game
1: God, no wonder yeah. it has such a following. It,
0: and they've been making it for like 10 years now. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, think about that. They've got 10 years of supplements under the under the covers. And they've already they already had all the three, five supplements that you could just port into Pathfinder. I mean, that was one of the selling points of Pathfinder. You could take your whole D&D campaign and just slot it into Pathfinder without really changing much. Wow. I can really see why they're doing this. Like, they've learned a lot in the last 10 years. <laughs>
1: I'd say ten years. That's a good time. That's a good run for yeah. one version, right? And then, like, what holy do you, shit! You know, think they about they got to make more money. They got to sell books, people. Well, how how are they making any money? Ten years of a one player handbook.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, think about you know, if they wanted to do a new supplement today, they would have to look back at ten years of supplements from before to say, okay, where can we fit in? What can we what can we really make here? and i could i can really see them saying you know what guys it's time for us to just do a new edition Vlad, do you get the sense that pathfinder's long in the tooth or are you like really happy with it in its current state and and don't want to change anything
2: i i'm always pro change as long as it's pro as long as it's good change so i'm i would love to give pathfinder 2.0 a shot and see what they've addressed what they've fixed what they've changed the thing with pathfinder is they pretty much had what like 6 years of all of the tabletop gamers going to them because they were essentially unopposed by D&D because 4th Edition was such a bust. Um, So now that they'll be kind of competing against 5th Edition, I'm really curious to see how it performed, how Pathfinder does with someone to run up against, kind of, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, because now now the game is on, you know, because 5th Edition really kind of went back to their roots. They brought a couple of things from 4th, but they really went back to their roots in a lot of areas. So is... Is there anything out there about Pathfinder that you think, oh man, that really needs to change. I hope they address that in
1: second edition. Good question.
0: You know, I really don't
2: like the, so in Pathfinder, you have uh, options of leveling up in your favorite class. So if I want to run a ranger and, and I say, okay, ranger is my favorite class. Every time I gain a level in the ranger class, I can either choose to gain one hit point or one additional skill point Mm -hmm. um and they did this because um they wanted multi-classing to be more viable because in 3.5 if you wanted to multi-class say like rogue and wizard you would suffer um xp penalties so it'd be much harder to to level up um in those in either of those two classes once you decide to uh uh, multi-class in pathfinder the XP requirements are the exact same. It doesn't really matter if you want to level, if you're a rogue wizard, it doesn't matter. You can level up in either of the two of them. The XP requirements are the same. The only difference is if you, if you chose wizard as your favorite class and you take a level in rogue, you no longer get that extra hit point or extra skill point, right. which I think it's stupid. I think you can just do away with all of that and just let people level up in whatever class they want to level up in without giving them, not that it's a major bonus, you know, one hit point, isn't a big deal. One skill point, isn't a big deal. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's a change that was unnecessary in my opinion.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Fair uh, and There's enough. a bunch of those things that Pathfinder did that are kind of unnecessary that I thought 3.5 had just fine, but, um, without seeing what Pathfinder 2.0 or whatever they decide to call it is introducing. Um, I don't really know.
0: Yeah, th- there <sighs> were so. a lot of little fiddly bits with Pathfinder, like the like oh every time you level, is it a, the right class for you to gain this freebie hit point or skill yeah. level? So I could see that. I could see a desire to say, hey, let's get rid of some of these fiddly bits and make it so that every time you level, you're not trying to remember things that are represented on like seven different pages, you know, because you've got the class. And then you've got the then you've got the general level up chart and now you've got this favored thing. And then, oh, does the race do anything? Um, So I could definitely see, uh, hey, let's simplify leveling being a, a, a really big boon.
1: It seems like they appealed to the inner OCD of me and said, let's add some complexity to your decisions. So every time you have a level, it's not just you look at the one chart and go chink, chink, or I got to do this, I got to wait. You've got choices to make, and there's like a wheel of figuring out where you want to do that. I I
0: think they were adding it to try and balance a couple of things, like the multi-class. In the the past, if you did a multi-class, you had to pay extra XP. And I think that's what they were trying to get rid of. They're like, let's just get rid of that. But we gotta make up for it somehow. I know let's add this rule. You know, to to Vlad, to your point, just get rid of the rule. Just right. Just say, hey, be whatever class you wanna do next and, and let's skip it. Get rid of the penalty without adding an unnecessary you know, benefit. Right. Right.
1: And are you guys playing through Pazio Adventures or are you homebrewing?
0: We are homebrewing for the most part.
1: Okay. Dave, do you homebrew mainly or do you
0: yeah, dude, I can never stick with, like, the base setting. I've always got to do yeah. something. <laughs> so I'll take the rules, but I'm going to put it in my setting. Um, is, that's, just who I, that's just who I am. Uh, one other thing about, about Pathfinder is the skills themselves, as you get later on in level, you end up with a crazy amount of skill points. Like, even at, like, sixth level, it's not impossible to start rolling, like, 35s or even 40s on some skill checks. Wow. Yeah, I the, oh, I'm
1: killing you you start rolling 35. so I'm just going to drop shit on your head.
0: <laughs> I mean that's I mean it, am I wrong there Vlad? Like I think that you can there's a couple of ways even early on to like really boost your skill point uh, your skill rolls on 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 a mid-level character.
2: Yeah, so the the thing with Pathfinder that I like over 3.5 that I don't think they got perfect was the skill system. So in the in 3.5 for example at level one you got you know x number of skill points times three yep for some odd reason they decided to multiply it by three and you could put those points however you wanted to um into whatever skills you wanted and if you put them in a non-class skill
0: it cost you double for yes them. each skill point gave you half the benefit
2: or
1: something mm.
0: Yeah. So, Pathfinder. So, wait, real Sorry. quick, I just want to talk about class skill and non-class skill. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're a paladin. God, I forgot
1: how much of a pain in the ass that was.
0: Oh yeah. Imagine you're a paladin, man of law or woman of law. Um, you are not expected to know how to sneak around. So, for a pal- no, you're clanking around
1: in your armor, making right. noise everywhere you go. Yes. right. Right. So the <laughs>
0: stealth based skills were twice as hard for a paladin to learn than like riding, like riding a horse. You expect a paladin to know how to ride a horse. So ride skill is one of their skills. So your class really determined which skills you were going to train because costing double is really expensive. Yeah, it's really expensive. So I'm sorry, Vlog, continue with your uh, talk about uh, skills, what they did in Paizo
2: Pathfinder, there's no first level times four skill point kicker your your number of skill points is always equivalent to your hit dice if you're Mm. level one you can have a maximum of one rank into every category the difference they made though was if you put a skill point into a class skill so say you're a rogue and you put a skill point into stealth at level one you automatically get a plus three miscellaneous modifier into that skill ah if you decide to put that skill point into a non-class skill So if you're a Paladin and you put that uh, point into stealth, you can can still put a one point in there. There's no, you know, one-half point penalty or any of that. The only difference is you don't get that plus three modifier at level one. Interesting. So you can still balance your skill points. You can still put them into whatever you want without any negatives. It's just you don't get that plus three initial boost at level one, which over the course of a long game, definitely makes you better at everything really
0: yeah as a player i love that as a yeah. player it's like oh thank goodness i can do things that are setting appropriate without having the gm you know rule that yeah i can use this as a class skill like that's it's so nice that i can just put points into skills and use those points without having to pay double like that's that's a brilliant move on their part and is it's really fun to play and, and just like earlier, I was talking about how skills get really ballooned up and you can end up rolling really big skill checks. As a player, that's super fun. Like, I love getting a 30 on a skill at level six. Like, that's phenomenal. Oh, I bet you do. I love it. Oh, like, oh, I oh, bet yeah. you do. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, listen, check. <laughs> I rolled a 40. <laughs> I hear everything they said. I hear yeah. the sweat drip down the back of their neck. I know everything that, like, as a player, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I, uh, definitely not a bag on, on Paizo at all for that. It's just an interesting skill system that they, that they chose and is really fun for players.
2: And the other side of that is as a GM, it sucks because you can't put like DC, you can't make a realistic DC of something, you know, say David wants to listen to some conversation happening down the hall. The DC is probably like 15. The only way his character can fail that is if he rolls like a one or a two and his plus 13 isn't enough to overcome whatever DC it is, yeah. um, which, which makes it extremely difficult for players, even at super low levels to do anything. That's not trivial mm. to not do anything. That's not trivial. Excuse me.
0: Right. Yeah. You're almost facing like epic DC right. challenges early on. If you want to challenge your players, like, all right, I got to make this a DC 30, just cause that's the math on the sheet. And I know that I'm fighting that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, that's not realistic for a game. Not that, you know, these games are meant to be real.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. It's, it's just not real enough. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, we are playing a, fucking fantasy game you know <laughs> but, it's like yes I, but i know i know i know i i know exactly what you mean and uh you know there's other there's other games we'll talk about at other times david that i think some do a good job of creating those dc levels right. that you and I, and for the dear listener difficulty check so right. for those that maybe haven't played before it's a difficulty check to where you know opening a door might be a six you can still fuck it up but it's really it's really hard to fuck it up right but then a difficulty check uh, or let's say you want to jump from roof to roof like some uh freaking russian uh parkour. It, yeah parkour guy that might be a difficulty check at 25 which oh you know, on a 20-sided die if i only have you know an extra 10 i gotta be at a 15 and above that's a high roll i mean there's only four things that are going to you know really help you out of that mess Um, otherwise you break your leg like a lot of those youtube ooh cringy videos yeah um yeah so but that's a dc and so yes there's some games i think that do a really good job with those and there's some that don't but again i think vlad hit the nail on the head it's a fucking fantasy game and sometimes as a dm you just gotta let things go and occasionally you gotta bump them way up high to make it hard
0: is there anything else in Pathfinder that really like kind of draws you to the system over other systems, even the newer systems that are out?
2: Really, the thing that drew me most to Pathfinder was that that was the first system that I really got into gaming with. So I, I played some 3.5. I played a fair amount of 3.5, actually, uh, like with my friends in high school. But those gaming sessions often, often devolved into just, you know eight hour rule mongering sessions about some super specific rule that would never get encountered in any other situation, yeah. except for that one that we were currently in. Yeah. You
1: die. <laughs> yeah, That's rules lawyer. You die.
0: That's your answer um, to rules lawyers. Yeah. It sounds like their answer was to debate it. <laughs> yes.
1: And,
2: and, and we didn't have those issues as much with Pathfinder because either the rule was simplified Or,
1: oh, very good point.
2: We became just better players and that we were able to avoid those types
1: of things. No, I'm going to go back to my table, sitting around with a bunch of 40-somethings, and we're playing 3.5. Well, we were 30-somethings and We were playing 3.5, and by God, we had more rules monitoring during that period. And people would bust out their books and go, if you go to page 52 right here in paragraph 5, it says. And and we did. And you know what? That's really interesting because I don't think that was a – 18 year old versus a 30 year old. I think that was the system had yeah. people inherently wanting to check and do things. I'm going to ask my other Pathfinder friends to see if they get in any rules lawyering all the time. That well, might've been just a good side benefit of the way they made these rules. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I'll freely admit even in my game, I'm running a three, five game right now. We have every session. There's a rules question that comes up and in Vlad's game, which is set in Pathfinder. No, doesn't happen you know it's just just they did a they did a really good job of cleaning up those rules and making it um i think maybe a bit more intuitive cuz when you go and say i'm going to challenge that rule you go and look it's like oh yeah yeah okay that was the intuitive ruling within pathfinder
1: or you can play first edition where there's like really no real rules Ooh. and you just do whatever you want
0: Ooh. as a gm sure yeah. <laughs> as a player it's like i don't know can i open a door gm you tell me <laughs> <laughs> that was good <laughs> I like that. whereas in Pathfinder it's like cool uh, I'm gonna do this and then this and the GM's like wait 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 can you do all that it's like yeah yeah see I've got this feat and then I've got this skill check at 30 and then I've got yep. this other feat and that means I get to do it
1: <laughs> I see a web comic in your future all based on opening a door in different game systems <laughs> You know, what's White Wolf? House Doctor Who? You know what I mean? Having them all with a single pane of how they open the door. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, we got to do Eclipse phase where you open a door and it's just space and you just die. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some like D&D monsters that are specific to d and I
1: can't, didn't know this.
0: Yeah, like a Beholder. Dude, a Beholder is D&D. What? I was totally thinking the exact same.
1: You can't use a Beholder in a Pathfinder game? Or do they have something called a muholder? <laughs> no, <they've> got- <laughs> it's kind of like a no. beholder, but it's a muholder. <laughs> do they not? Do they not have a beholder in Pathfinder because of licensing? and
2: I mean, it's compatible
0: with 3.5. So just-
1: well, you can put it in, but is it in their source material? Is it in their adventures? Do they write about a beholder?
0: Yeah, I don't think they do i i think that i'm already
1: looking at number three on my google on my duck duck go list that says beholders do they exist in pathfinder question mark yeah i I have looked in my bestiary one through three and can't find one of my favorite monsters need them for tonight's game does anyone have a good stat block dumbass use the one from 3.5 um They're intellectual property of Wizards of the Coast, like Mind Flayers yep. and a bunch of others. Wow!
0: Yeah, that's one of the things. So D&D was open source for rules, not for monsters, not for setting.
1: All it- right, well, that, that kind of wrapped me up. That was very interesting. I wanted to know a little bit more about Pathfinder. I think I got a little bit more. I, I'm really kind of amazed... How you can have three source books over the course of 10 years, and I don't think you're probably the exception. I bet there's a lot of people that because there's so much available online, yeah. they, they 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 have what they have to play and, and they sure they buy things here and there. And then I'm sure there's also like, um, oh, Doctor Who, I have all the PDFs, but man, I still buy all the books because I want the shiny book on my shelf and yeah. I want to go flip through the pages and look at the pictures. And, you know, I'm, I'm a collector more than I need to be in that sense. And I'm sure in, you know, Pathfinder world, it's there too, but... But good on them for allowing, um, you know, uh, maybe a high school student or a young college student or, uh, you know, someone who money's a little tight, you know, that um, they're able to enjoy all the game. What an equalizer. I, I, that's one thing I took away from that that really impressed me.
0: This has been really fun to kind of talk about Pathfinder and its, its history with Dungeons and & Dragons and some of the cool things that really sets it apart from D&D. So I, I think with that, we'll probably... Close this one out. As always, have fun and play well.
1: May all your roles be crit. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Do, do they have crits in Pathfinder?
2: No, that's one of the things they got. Of course they've got crits, man. Yeah!
1: May all your roles be crits!
2: <laughs> Bye, guys.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback for us, please find us on Twitter. Again, at High Shelf Gaming or on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. Of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher as well, so feel free to leave us some feedback or a review there. A
1: year after
0: 4.0 was
1: released. There we go, apeshit. Hold on.
0: Oh, those are your dogs. Yeah. We all, all three of us have dogs, right? So it's like, whose dogs are barking now? I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Give me just a second. you'll no, take just a second. Sorry, guys. No worries.
2: <laughs> Sasha's over here still gnawing on this toy. Oh that my she's God. They're losing me. their biscuits. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> <laughs>